0: The following podcast is an Embassy Row production.
1: Hi, this is Sarah Riff, and welcome to Having It All in Other Lies, the podcast where I talk to people I admire about letting go of perfection, embracing the chaos, and redefining what success and happiness look like to them, because ultimately, the only definition that matters is our own. Hi, everybody. I am very excited about today's guest. Recognized as one of the 100 top interior designers in the world by Elle Decor, three years running, Bridget Romantic clearly has impeccable taste. But what I also find so fascinating about her is the many lives she has lived along her journey, both as a handbag designer and a singer. She can currently be seen as one of the judges on Ellen DeGeneres' new design show, Ellen's Design Challenge. Along the way of a few of my own personal design challenges, I often ask myself, what would Bridget do? And I am happy to report that during our conversation, I learned that not even she was immune to the shabby chic craze that at one time felt a lot more chic than it did shabby. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. And also just as a reminder to please subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you so much for the support. Hello, Bridget. I am so happy to see your face. Hi,
0: I'm happy to see your gorgeous face. It's so nice to see
1: you. Do you remember that it was actually probably like two days before the city shut down that we were at a dinner for our friend, Rachel Zoe.
0: That's right. And
1: so many people had canceled that night because everybody was fearful. And either we were too good of friends or too desperate not to miss a party that we were still there. (laughs) Probably both. Probably a little bit of (laughs) both. Probably a little bit of both. And we were like, listen, if the world is going to end we should at least be amongst friends and have a good dinner. Yeah, absolutely. It's like while they played music when the Titanic was going down. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs)
0: At least make it poetic. Just make it
1: poetic, yes. (laughs) So how are you doing? I'm really, I'm good.
0: I'm hanging in. I'm more uh, introspective in so many ways. I'm more uh, extroverted in so many- like you just learn a lot about yourself mm-hmm. during this time. And I have to say, I'm, I'm good.
1: I also think that yeah. what you do has sort of taken on paramount importance, right? Over the last year, yeah, because- it's, tr- it's true. People have it's never true. been more aware of being comfortable in their homes or being inspired by their homes. Mm-hmm. Just by virtue of being stuck in their homes.
0: Exactly. To create a beautiful space is so, I really genuinely feel and know, and I've experienced it and seen it where it has such great um, power and how it makes people feel and just their relationship to their homes. This has amplified at times a thousand because they are stuck in a way, they are forced to deal with how they're living. And if it's... um, working or if it's not, and also homes in the past year have become, you know, rooms have become so multifunctional. Yeah. Not only that, it's like, uh, more family members in one one home so they can be together and quarantine together. So for all of these reasons, what I do and love to do and I'm passionate about is really amplified in some amazing ways. I'm not happy
1: about COVID, but I, it's, I'm happy about how people are thinking about their house. Yeah, of course. Okay. So tell me something fun. What was the last lie that you told? Ooh,
0: oh man. Ooh, wow. Ooh sounds I, like I, a juicy one. Oh, <laughs> Let's see. No, I'm just trying to think of what it is. Oh, this is terrible. Darn it, Sarah. It was something to do with my, my daughter's school. I got, a, I didn't want to attend a Zoom for a school. <laughs> And so I uh, said I was busy. But you
1: know what? I said I was busy. That's okay. I mean, I was. You were. So that's not even a lie. Yes. All right. So I would ask on which occasion do you think it's okay to lie? And it sounds like maybe that one.
0: Yeah, I, I listen, it wasn't gonna harm mm-hmm. anyone. It wasn't there were many, many parents in attendance, and I was able to just call one of the parents and said give me the highlights. And and so for that reason I thought, okay, it's okay this time to just kind of say I'm busy, which I was, but could I have attended uh, if I yeah. really, you know, thought right? Yeah. Sure. You know, sure. so
1: but you got the cliffs notes. Yeah. You know what I mean? I got the cliff notes. I know what's happening. It's all, That's it's all good. good.
0: Yes. An occasion when I think it's okay to lie is usually if it's not going to harm someone and it could possibly make them feel good or better. I made a mistake one time of saying something to someone and I thought I was saying it in the most loving and kind way to be supportive. And in the end, I just made them more self-conscious, which was terrible, which was exactly what I did not want to do. And so when someone is feeling good about something, you know, who am I to kind of say, no, that doesn't look good or no, maybe you shouldn't do that. I'm more, I'm more
1: so just encouraging.
0: Like, you know, you feel good about it. Great.
1: As that relates to your work, right? Taste is so subjective. We assume. Yes. Obviously, by the way, it is funny. I actually had somebody help me with some rooms and stuff over the last year. And literally I would say to her out loud, Mm -hmm. which would Bridget decide? Like it was like you were a running joke because like ostensibly, I I feel confident you have better taste than I do, right? But like, let's say that you're working with a client and you, you feel confident about the mm-hmm. same too. But how do you navigate mm-hmm. that? Because that's such a personal thing, right? Like there's no right or wrong. It's just taste. Yeah.
0: Well, it is just taste, but they're sort of a collective when we sort of admire someone like and I'm not liking myself to this at all, but more so like we all appreciate a Picasso, whether you look at it as something that's like ugly or beautiful or just, you know, unusual, it, it attracts your attention for one reason or, or another. And I think that good design should do that. Sometimes it pushes people, it takes them out of their comfort zone. And other times people just immediately get it. it it's all of that. And I recognize that. And it is my job. If you have hired me, you've done so because you want my uh-huh. advice and opinion and my research and my knowledge, and I'm going to give all of that to my clients. I'm super in love with what I do and super passionate about it. And every job I look at is being different. It's a chance. It's like you know, a chance to do something new and 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 interesting and great. And that's what I work to give to my clients. And you know, client will say, nope. That's not what I'm thinking or, or, and so what that does is it just propels me to find something else that I think is equally great or amazing. I will never show a client something I don't like just because they may like it. I mean, if it's an heirloom or something, then that's already amazing. And we do that, but I will never ever do that because at that point I might as well just be their assistant and not their designer. You know, I'm just assisting them with what they want versus being their designer. And so I tell the truth. I, I say what I'm feeling, and also in a selfish way, you know, it's my name as well, and I want that to mean something. And I want for you know people to feel enhanced by it. If I'm just leaving people in a place where it's like, oh, this is just comfy, and or this is just comfortable, I always want you know it to be comfy, but it's just something they know, nothing new. I haven't presented anything new, and then I'm just, it's I'm not doing my right. job. We're right. Right. You want to so, put you want to push yeah, their boundaries yeah. too. Absolutely,
1: yeah. in a good way. We all know how much mm-hmm. we've lost over this last year, but what are the things that you feel you've gained?
0: Yeah. Well, I've gained a lot of time with mm-hmm. my kids. Is that a is that a good thing? <laughs> I've, and I've, <laughs> for the most part, yes. No, it is. I have a daughter, and she's 15, and I, I feel for these teenagers because their wings have been clipped in a, in a time when they're supposed to naturally. Spreading their wings, you know. So I feel for them, but for me as a parent, in another way, I'm kind of like, oh, I know where she is. She's right downstairs, you know. And so for me, it was uh, it was nice, and and the time has been great. So being a working mom, I don't always have six hours in the day to just be with my kids, but because of working from home and from COVID, and you know, I have had that time, and so it's been really interesting. And most parts have been great, and other times I want to go hide in the closet and scream, and other times. you know it's it's all that. it's absolutely all all of it so that's been really that's one thing that i learned i also learned about myself in a lot of ways i think that this Year has taught us all a lot about who we are and what we believe in and, and care about. You know, I have friends who want the vaccine, friends who don't. I have friends who didn't follow the rules, and I was, you know, so bummed. And then friends, you know, that most that did, um, I learned about myself. I learned that I am a survivor and can handle things. And I'll, you know, we do what we need to do. And I was talking to a friend the other day and it was so funny and kind of like you know humans we're kind of like you know you know cockroaches we keep we figure out ways to survive and get through things you it's know true. and keep going yeah you know we, we figure it out and so for so many reasons I'm so grateful for so many reasons I have been uh, you know sad people dying and people family member you know so all of it it's been I mean every emotion one could possibly have has happened in this in this past yeah. year. It's
1: so true, though, the resilience of the human spirit, right? It's like, I don't know if you ever saw this meme, but it's just early days when it just like the hits kept coming. They were like wild trees have come to life and are attacking people. And the person was like, Yeah. All right. Let me navigate through that one. It's just like one thing. Okay. So wonderful. Now the trees are talking. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to avoid the trees. I'm going to just take a different route. We just have to adjust and pivot and become nimble. And we got this. I wish that there was something more glamorous than cockroaches to be, but kind of. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know. Right.
0: Yes. I, yeah, like, I have to maybe think, yeah, we have to think of something. Yeah. More we got to
1: give spectrum. them like a ladybug you, rebrand.
0: Yeah. Oh, there you go. Or water go.
1: beetles. Okay.
0: We got to work on that. Scarab, I'll do- <laughs> scarabs. We're like scarabs, but you know, cockroach just, just that it just really does. You home, it you know really I mean? it does. Just grabs your atti- it grabs your those, attention. Those grabs suckers attention, can handle so. anything.
1: <laughs> what about the notion of hmm. having it all? You know, we're fed that a lot. Is that something that you buy into? And if Mm -hmm. so, what did you think that would look like?
0: Having it all? I don't know. I have a a knee jerk to that. Not because I mean, it just depends what it means to Mm -hmm. to one, you know, individually. And for me, I knew I wanted kids. I also knew that I wanted to work. And I knew that that was going to be a dance. And a lot of navigation, and that is exactly what it is. When my kids were little, when the girls were little, uh, we moved to London, and I was a stay-at-home mom for a few years, and I, you know, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And they were little, and so I wanted to be there. And you know, when they're that little, your job is just keeping them alive, right, for the first few years. And so, so you know, we we got through that. And as they went to school, and we moved back to LA, I wanted, and I very much needed to work. My soul needed to be contributing. To society and doing something that I felt was um, was meaningful, and every day it's still this this balance and this dance. And as my girls have gotten older, they have certain needs, and you know I have to really decide and figure out. Okay, I'm I'm here for this. You know, maybe I won't make that today. You know, so if for instance one of my girls is like, I'm going to a friend's house, then great. You know, I know I'm gonna be able to stay at the office or the other one has dance, you know, so it's just like a constant navigating of every mm-hmm. day and the things that I have decided with my children that are really important. And I also think that's really individual as well. Those are the things that I'm there for. So, you know, you can have two children from the same parent, and they'd be completely different personalities and function really differently. And so, with each child, it means something different. And so it's just constant navigation. My 15-year-old, it's a lot of, right now, it's like a lot of, stay out of my room and, you know, as soon as we go back to the mall, drive me there and they drop me off, you know. So, so what she needs is different to my 12-year-old, who still, you know, very much wants to be together all the time. So every Sunday, I look at the week and the things that I think are really important. That's how I plan my schedule and my meetings and my days, you know, for them. I go to bed every night and probably work till about two or three in the morning because I do wanna have that evening time with them. It's a lot. And I also have you know employees that I need to um, to attend to and take care of as well. I mean, it's all a lot. There's no way around it. And the idea that it's having it all, well, that comes at a cost. I have a friend who has a daughter that is 17. And she's a stay-at-home mom. And her daughter whispered to me, she said, please, you know, I want my mom to find something that she really likes to do. She wants to push her mom out to do something. And then, you know, there's me and sometimes my daughters will call and say, Are you coming home soon?
1: Yeah, you can't you can't win. You can't win either way. You can't win.
0: You you just you just can't win. So you have to like, navigate what makes the most sense for you and your family. You know, and I know when my girls really will want me there and when it's kind of one of those. "Ah, okay, you know, so I am lucky enough to where I have had someone who works with me concerning my children for the past five years. And so she's amazing. She's their nanny, but she's also a part of the family. And and so she helps a lot and they feel really great and they feel safe with her. And they always want their parents. That's just, that's having Unless a kid, you're but... going to the mall and then they don't want you around. <laughs> exactly. Then she does, she just, she just wants the money and to be dropped off. She's literally like, just slow the car down. I'll just jump out.
1: <laughs> Which is so funny too, Bridget, because looking at you, oh my God. Like when you're a kid, you think your parents are just like embarrassing and terrible, Right. But like, I look at you and I'm like, Oh my God, you've got to be the coolest mom. You're like six. I'm just saying even like, let's just (laughs) external you're successful. You're well-dressed. You're cool. Like all these things. And she's still like literally (laughs) just drop me at the corner. Oh yeah. She's, if I do
0: anything other than breathing around her friend, she's yeah. mortified. It's just a funny thing. And I have the this show that I'm doing. It's on uh, HBO now. And I asked her the other day, I said, are you going to watch? She went, why? I see O-M-G. you
1: every day. Like, okay
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. And then my 12 year old said, it's my favorite show on TV. You know, so it's just, it's just funny. Like the, you know, they're different and they need different things. And I am, in love with it all and exhausted by it all. And I think that that is what it is. And then on top of that, there's your husband who needs your attention as well. It's just, it's a lot. And having it all is so personal. It's just, I think it's very personal. I do think me, I am fulfilled. I do feel like I have it all. I have the the career that I'm so thrilled and happy to have and care so much about. I have two girls that are healthy and thriving. You know, I have my husband, I have my friends and my girlfriends is nothing like your girlfriends. So I feel so, oh my gosh, supported and enhanced by a human being that everything with everything that that's happening in my life and so yes I'm tired yes I get upset yes I get sad yes all of those things natural Mm -hmm. things that happen but I wouldn't trade trade it for anything I just wouldn't trade it for anything and I'm also happy that my, my kids see me doing something that I love. And I tell them all the time, I really hope you find something you're passionate about and that you are able to do for your work. And I tell them, you know, I work for the family. You know, this is for all of us. And it definitely resonates and it definitely means something to them because on different occasions, like Mother's Day or my birthday, I get these cards from my children that blow my mind where they're saying to me, we see what you do. We know you do it you know, for us and um, we're so proud of you and you're so strong and I just wanna cry. So I know that what is happening is, is good. And I tell them, come to my office every day after work, have yeah. a key, you know, come to me on a job site and all that. And
1: I like what you said too about you hope that they find something that ignites their passion too. And I was thinking about this. That's right. So you were recently profiled by the Wall Street Journal, no big deal by the way. And Mm -hmm. it said, um, (laughs) they refer to you as taking the long road to finding your calling. And I wonder, do you Mm -hmm. feel that that's true? Because I know that you're someone who's done a lot of different things, which I sort of think is what life is about, right? And so the long road to finding your calling sort of suggests that there's a destination and you finally reached it. And my hope is always that we're constantly evolving. So... Talk to me about like yes. designing your Indeed. life. First of all, Bridget, why have I never seen you sing? I, like, always hear about this like singing <laughs> career that you had. Where can I find the, these oh old gosh. singing it's, files?
0: Oh my gosh! I, you know what's sad is I don't even I don't know I don't even know. It's just so terrible. But for me, I was always going to be creative. I, I thought about being an attorney when I was a teenager.
1: Not not very creative. Yeah, exactly.
0: And so that's why it was just a five minute uh, idea and plan. But I just always knew that I was going to be creative. And so anything I've done has been creative, you know, being a singer, being a handbag designer, you know, owning a furniture store, now interior design. And they're all part of the same Mm -hmm. muscle. I loved it all. And I still do. The good news is that I can just sing around the house. I don't have to make a record and it's all fine. I can, I can uh, just. Well, I hope you
1: record something for me because I'm desperate to hear this voice. Oh my gosh. No. Did you (laughs) sing your own songs? What did you perform places? What was the vibe? I did. It was like R and B,
0: but with, you know, a little bit Mm -hmm. of funk, uh, soul, soul as well. It was a real, like eclectic, sort of like my interiors, you know, it was very eclectic music. I, I loved it. It was really, really fun, fun to do and write songs it was really good. And I, I opened for, I mean, but I would open for um, Luther Vandross and Europe. Oh my
1: and, God! Never too much.
0: Yeah, and with <laughs>
1: yes,
0: <laughs> and uh, and Maxwell and different. You know, it was it was really fun.
1: Wait, so you were like you were opening for these big performers in Europe and living this like bohem life.
0: It's so crazy. And then I would—I lived in France for a few months because there was this little club there that I just wanted to sing at for, all, you know, summer and all of these sort of like fun adventures. Yeah, but all creative. Mm-hmm. And then the handbags, that was so weird because it was just a case of having a really huge lunch, a girlfriend's lunch. And they said, this year, let's make things for each other. And so I said, Okay. And I just decided I was going to make handbags, never tried it before, never, Mm -hmm. no clue. Mm -hmm. And I somehow made these handbags and they were hugely successful, which was amazing. And that was really fun. And then I was about to have my second child and we were moving to London. So I just kind of like, okay, I'm going to stop everything. I'm just going to stop and I'm going to focus on my girls. And then we came back, got them situated. And I've had my own firm for almost three years now. It'll be three years in That's June. incredible.
1: Do you think that like there's a, there a expiration point on your interest in certain things? Or do you think it's just like the evolution of I did that and now I'm ready to try something new. Do you think that you'll ever want to go back yeah. to designing handbags or singing in a French club? Cause I know I do all of a sudden I'm like, where is this club? And I'm going to find go. my way to sing there one summer yeah. too yes yeah, so
0: it was, it was extremely fun i could tell you many stories about that no i don't i won't d- design handbags anymore or you know maybe i'll get up and sing in a club who who could know maybe a karaoke night but interior design is where i feel mm-hmm. at home and it's where i am going to live until i retire like it's everything i love it so much and there's so many different pieces of the puzzle under the roof, you know, from the front door to the back door, that means I could get into furniture design, I could get into, you know, designing TVs, it means I can get into so many different things, you know, or creating a book, there's just so many different ways to go and be creative under one's roof. So this is where I really have found home, and huh, yeah, a
1: fun um, and <laughs> and been able to say this is it. This You've is designed it. homes mm-hmm. from for everyone from Gwyneth Paltrow to Jay Z and Beyonce. What do you think is the, like a through mm-hmm. line for people, in, in terms of what they seek yeah. out? Is mm-hmm. there something that's a through line, or is it individual for everyone?
0: There is an artistry that goes along with what we're doing. You know, I I really believe that designers are artists and the home is the canvas. And so fellow artists can really understand that and relate to that. And so the conversations that have really been you know, talking about one's home. There, there is that through line of expressing themselves and articulating what they need and then allowing me to, to do what mm-hmm. I do and saying, this is a fellow artist and I'm going to express what I want this to be and what I want this to feel like. And then I'm going to let them do their thing. And I really love that. And I think that that's a big through line that they are understanding of the process and of a process to to create and to bring something into fruition and so it's always a collaboration but it's so much about I see your vision and I feel that and I can get with that and I think the most important thing is that you know someone they might not remember the exact piece but they remember the feeling of things and that's what art does as well you know you remember the feeling it gave you and I really love that about people that I work with, that they respect that and understand that and allow space for that. And whether someone is a celebrity or not, you know, they, they've understood that so far and it's been really invigorating and inspiring. And then when someone's seeing their space for the first time, you know, they see the boards and they see the materials, but then they see it, it's everything. It's just, it's really, really everything. And so I've been lucky enough to work with people that understand that and embrace that. So that is very much a through line.
1: What do you think about, if we go back 10 years ago, it was different, right? We were looking through El Decor and AD and different magazines for mm-hmm. inspiration and books, mm-hmm. obviously, but now with mm-hmm. Pinterest, it's almost democratized it a mm-hmm. little bit. So you could be getting, let's yeah. say, yeah, oh, sure. tell me if I'm even saying this right, but is it Pierre Paulin? Yes. Okay. Go oh, I'm sorry, I'm a designer. <laughs> <laughs> so you you get a <laughs> chair really. like that, right? So all of a sudden, mm-hmm. everybody under the sun. It's this funny, like sort of trend component where then it like you know in mm-hmm. Devil Wears Prada where she's like, by the time you pick it up, it's trickled down to some bargain booth yes. <laughs> barn basement. Yes, yes, exactly. But it's, it's like no longer yes. Yeah, you're you're getting these like, you know, gorgeous pieces that are prohibitively expensive for a lot of people. And then it's literally trickling down to like it's at West Elm and then mm-hmm. it's so funny the way yeah. that trends work. do you ever suffer yes. from the phase called shabby chic like I did please, say, like yes. please of... say yes please say yes please <laughs> say <laughs> I did you did I did okay good. I did I had the distressed wall oh yeah oh of course
0: yeah the distressed wall the whole thing I had the big fluffy pillows and so yeah
1: oh I used to comb That's literally good. the I would comb the oh, yeah. flea market for these horribly mm-hmm. distressed pieces oh yeah. And each was sort of uglier than the next, but like, I thought that they were so chic, shabby chic, that is. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And you bring them in and you just position them just so And like, I did that. Oh, and I thought yeah, they looked so good. That. First of all, we didn't have Pinterest at the time. Everything mm. is cyclical and trends come back in. I don't think shabby chic is coming mm. back to us, though. I think that was a one and done.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna hope for that. I'm definitely gonna hope that there are elements of it that I like, and I just remember the, the most important thing was just about the coziness. Mm-hmm. So there are elements that you you take from everything and you try to bring them together. And that's why eclecticism really is my favorite way to design, because I think you can pull from everywhere. It really has to make sense together and complement each other, and the pieces need to have a conversation. Um, and that's such designer talk, but you understand like, <laughs> they need to have a conversation. Those pieces, yeah. But you can pull from anywhere, and it's and it's really about the feeling that you want. And then it's it's my job from there to have sourced and found the best of that and and bring it to you.
1: Right. I have to say minimal shabby
0: chic, but we liked the coziness, right?
1: Although it's funny because like, if you think about it now, it's like, you know, we always talk about what's the biggest drug. It's lifestyle, right? Like Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. people want now is lifestyle. And back in my shabby chic days, I was just, I was happy living my life. I had a purple huge couch from Pottery Barn. I thought it was so comfortable. It never would have occurred to me like, Oh, please send me a picture. That that. it was like in fashion or not. I didn't care. I was just like, I was so happy. And now I spend half of my time being so much more critical of my interiors too, because I'm bombarded with so much imagery. Are you impervious to that as a designer? Or do you feel like, are you constantly wanting to evolve your space?
0: Well, I, you know, Mark makes a joke about he never knows where the sofa is going to be when he gets home because I rearranged like, <laughs> yeah I'm rearranging things and moving and trying things out you know and, and having fun and, and having fun in that way because I don't think that there are said rules you know mm-hmm. it's something you have to do and so for that reason it's my job to know everything that's happening the, the you know the new artisans the new textile all of it but having said that, I still go to what I think is the best for that space. I'm not gonna follow a trend. I just don't think I've done my job if I do that. My clients will show me inspiration images. What I pull from them the conversations we have is like, okay, what do you like about this? Mm -hmm. I'm clearly never going to repeat um, an image that I, you know, that that would be insane and and insulting um, to that designer and to myself to try to, I'm gonna try to do that.
1: That's literally how I design a room. (laughs) I find a photo and I'm like, okay, where could like call call up West Elm? Who's got this me? And
0: I and I understand that. I told I totally understand Mm. that. I really do. But I I just want to, if they've brought me in, then I want to do that, but make it them. Yes. You know, make it their love letter to themselves. And I say that and I really mean that. And I want to show them things where they go oh you know okay so i can do this and they feel proud of that space not that it's just here's a duplicate of that because i also sometimes i you know i'm concerned that that might date and maybe i'm possibly losing work by this attitude but i want to create something that's going to last and last and last right change a fabric or change um maybe one or two
1: pieces, but I want a room to be able to la- to last and you can grow in it. But you're right. As a business model, you want something that's like quick turnover, not, not last and last and last. You need those return clients, I know. Bridget. I know. I have to, I know I need to rethink this whole
0: thing, but I just feel like if I'm, if I'm doing my, my job correctly, I really have looked at everything and, and sourced and met with, uh, with makers and, and done all that and then brought my client, the best of what that is that will represent them. Right.
1: Obviously there's the creative element of design and that's the artistry and everything Mm -hmm. that drew you to it. The reality of owning a design business is much different, right? There's Mm -hmm. so many pieces to Mm -hmm. the puzzle and it's like, personal management, financial stuff, all all the other elements, Mm -hmm. are there certain things that you have responded to more and other parts that you're just like, you can keep it?
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, yes, yes. (laughs) The answer to that is a resounding yes. Because how my business will thrive is with me doing what I do best. Mm -hmm. And if I am trying to do the other parts of the business that I know, because I think it's important that everyone know what's happening in their business, but I'm not necessarily great at, or I'm going to take my time doing that. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those things where I have to sit down and think, okay, we need accountants or we need someone who does procurement and we need, and as I can, I find the right people and hire them and let them do what they do best. And then that allows me to do what I do best. And that's the way to make the business grow and, and thrive. And and anyone who is you know starting a business or in their business? That's just really important. You know It's really, really crucial that you know what's happening, but that you have people in the room that elevate what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I only have so many hours in a day to design, and that's what I need to spend my time doing. So yes, I have brought in people who handle the other parts, right? <laughs> I have to. Yes. Yes. I'm a creative head. I'm, a, I'm such a creative head. So for me, that's what I should be doing is creating.
1: So interior design and creating, you know, often happens behind the scenes, but like you alluded to earlier, yeah. you have now signed on to do this Ellen DeGeneres' new yes. design show, which is called Ellen's Next Great Designer. So I, I watched the first episode. I'm already hooked. I want to talk to you oh, about yay. a couple things. Number one, obviously your ward <laughs> <Okay. laughs> your wardrobe, obviously. <laughs> ah, <okay. laughs> and then number two is like, were you comfortable in that medium all of a sudden being on a television show? Yeah. It raises your profile. Yeah. Being in that position of having to give that feedback to people, right? Who it's that's mm-hmm. so hard because you gotta make for good television. Yes, it is. And it's hard. You also, as an artist, like you know how sensitive people are. How are you yes. how are you experiencing the whole thing?
0: Well, so it is very hard, mm-hmm. you know, but if you are an artist, you're vulnerable. You're gonna you're putting your work out into the world and you can't control what anyone's gonna say or do you can really only control your reaction mm-hmm. right and and what you do and say and so there were so many conversations about and and this is really true you know i i can work on a room for a really long time and think it's my best work and then a client might say to me oh let me let me live with this you know that's not the reaction i want mm-hmm. you know or they'll say oh gosh i i didn't tell you this but i really don't like yellow. And that's a piece I might've based the whole, you know, you might've so want
1: to mention like that. that, you know, <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. But these things, they happen all the time. Mm. And if that's going to shut you down, then you're in the wrong business. And so you do have to have a tough skin and the point of it is only to help. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. And Ellen was really smart because she did take three people from three different viewpoints of design. Mm -hmm. And she's so fascinated and so in love with design. And she's in love with the stories that are behind the pieces of how a piece came to be. And so that's where this show was born. Like, Who made this and where did it come from and why did why was it made? And so it's this whole story. So for that reason, they didn't tell us anything about the designers because they knew we would possibly get attached or you know it, they really wanted it to be authentic mm-hmm. and we didn't spend time with them it was about the piece and the journey and the reaction that was it and i think it did everyone on the show a real service mm-hmm. and we spoke about that we spoke about like guys use this as fuel use this as As motivation. You know, think of it, if I tell you I dislike it, then just try to dissect it and why and what, you know, and you might turn around and say, even with that, I'm not changing anything. I stand by it. Or you're going to say, oh, I see what she was talking about and maybe I'll pivot and adjust, you know. So there were so many different ways to go with how they thought about it or viewed it, but everything was very honest. It was just honest. We were What's your reaction? Mm -hmm. What do you think? And it was hard, but I think it was 100% beneficial. Not everybody's going to like everything.
1: Right. And even between the three of you guys, you had differing opinions sometimes. You said, actually, this was in the premiere episode that I watched. You were like, I absolutely, and I thought you were going to say, I absolutely love it. And you go, I absolutely like it. And I was like, there you go. (laughs) 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 I I like it. Yeah. yeah. That's enough affirmation in that moment because the other judge absolutely did not like it. And it's it you was know, it was just also
0: authentic and I I needed and wanted to be able to articulate as I'm seeing it, you know. So the pieces were there were 100% in the dark. And so when, you know, Scott says light it up, it's just really our reactions. And I always want to come from a place of kindness mm-hmm. because I know the vulnerability and what it takes, and the the stress and the push and the in the in the struggle to make one piece come together. So I always want to be kind. You know, I want people to be kind to me, and I have these two little girls, and I and I want people to be kind to them, and and I want people to be kind to your kids. So I'm always trying to to practice that. Yeah, but yeah. So it, so it was hard, but we all you know would hug afterwards, and it was all. It's all good. Right. Yeah.
1: So you know how it ends. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So, so tell me about, <laughs> tell me about the dress, the dresses. Cause I absolutely like them. So did you oh, work with I'm a so- stylist? <laughs> did you dress yourself? I dressed myself. You dressed yourself? I just dressed it looks my- great.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm always saying that to you whenever I see you. Hello. Oh, I, I love how you, you dress and your style. I just found dresses that I liked and just sort of, it just went with it.
1: Well, they were popping. (laughs) They were popping. Thank you. Did you, are you getting recognized more through the show? You're not really out and about right now. Are you able to like take to your newfound fame? (laughs) You know, you're a TV star. Uh,
0: no, 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 not at all. Uh, I think maybe two people. So. Okay.
1: (laughs) That's two more than, (laughs) you know, that, that knew you when you weren't on the show. I mean, listen, exactly. Exactly.
0: And this, this is the point, you know, so, um, but no, it was really sweet. And and, and uh, someone yelled out to me, I agree with you. It was really funny. Through different channels, people have reached out and they like it. And so it's been really nice. That's so fun. Really nice. So yeah. did
1: I read correctly that you were working on a book?
0: Yes, I am. I am. I am. And I, lo- I mean, one of my favorite things. And when I was, when I was a kid, my grandmother, she worked um, at a factory that uh, they made magazines. Mm-hmm. They put magazines together and print. And so she would bring me magazines, you bring them to the house and I would look at them. And, and so one of, still to this day, one of my favorite things is picking up like a coffee table book about interior design mm. or fashion. I love that like late at night and I'm like, oh, it's the greatest thing. It's like my porn, right? So it's just really
1: exciting and kind of like crazy. Yeah, it's full circle. It doesn't look like you have enough books in your home where you are. I mean, <laughs> So you better, you I mean, better write so one stat. I like to talk to people about taking victories and and really sort of, how do you stay motivated? Do you place happiness kind of around, around the next bend or are you able to take stock mm-hmm. in what you've accomplished? And I think it's always really fun when someone's working on something like a book or something that sort of mm. forces them to really sit down and say like, oh, wow. And by the way, I don't even know what your book is about. Maybe it's about your singing career, but yeah. <laughs> It's about dogs, it's, about- <laughs> it's a book about dogs. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming it's about design, but I could be totally wrong, it you know? Is. No, it's about design, about design. What's your sort of motivational style? Are you very goal oriented or are you fluid? I'm more fluid. It's
0: so nice when someone says that, you know, they, they like your work or I get a job that I maybe wasn't expecting. And I'm just so grateful and so appreciative of it that I always just want to give it everything. And I think that that's what fuels me so much and keeps me, like, keeps me in it. And it is hard to take a minute and say, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing all right. It's, it feels like it's um, a little uncomfortable, but I also know that it's important. You know, I, I look around and I kind of think I'm, I'm this, this little girl from the South side of Chicago. And if you'd have told me this would be uh, what I'm doing, I would have been no, what are you talking about? You know, that doesn't make any sense. And so I'm proud, I'm, I'm proud. I, I work h- really hard and I remain really grateful and that just makes me want to go forward and looking into the the faces of my children it just it makes me want to just push every every single day mm-hmm. and take risks that i probably wouldn't have taken had i not had these girls so
1: i just i am i'm, I'm super grateful and i know that we talked about this in the beginning but knowing what you know now and how your life has unfolded and how you have designed it, no pun intended. <laughs> what would you're having it all look like to you today? I mean,
0: I, I visualize things all the time. I love to do that because it's really, I, I, I it's like I have the feelings of actually whatever the visualization is in the moment. Gosh, it's so much of what I'm doing. I want to continue to do it. Mm-hmm. And I want to do it more and, and more projects. And sometimes, you know, I think about bigger projects, smaller projects, all of it. I just love it all. But to have it continue to elevate and be a better and stronger company, to have my daughters in a place where they are happy and go out into the world and feel confident and strong. And having my my friends and family around me, I I honestly, with the world, the way that it is and things that are happening and the things that I've seen and experienced and all through my life, I don't know that I could ask for much more. Mm -hmm. It's, It's just the idea that I'm okay. People around me are okay. I feel like I might be a little bit spoiled to ask for anything more. And that doesn't mean it's not hard. And that doesn't mean it's not, you know, it's, the days aren't a challenge. It just means that I'm aware of how, um, how lucky I am and how hard I've worked. And, you know, again, I'm just grateful, really grateful.
1: Yeah, I love that. All right, for anyone who doesn't follow you, where could they find you? My company is Mm romanticdesignstudio.com. And
0: on Insta, it's just under Romantic Design Studio, Bridget Romantic.
1: Although we need to see more of Bridget Romantic in Romantic Design (laughs) Studio because I'll tell you something you have the prettiest (laughs) face ever, and it is just vastly underutilized on your Instagram. I'm just going to tell you.
0: Thank you so much. So, I think that of you all the
1: time. I was like, oh my gosh. So oh yeah, but I I, I, I tried to put her in there anytime time I got, and you know it's just a lot of rooms. That's <laughs> 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 oh, amazing. So girl. I'm so happy amazing to see you. Thank you for taking the time. Anything for you. Thank you for thinking of, of me. Of course, and I hope to see you in yeah. person very very soon.
0: Yes, me too. I can't wait so I can come and give you a big hug.
1: Having It All and Other Lies is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarney Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. You can follow me on Instagram at Sarah riff and the show at Having It All podcast. See you next week.